Jim, how are you? It's great to have you on the podcast. This is gonna be a real treat. Um, Jim and I met and we share very similar interests um, and connection with mission-driven organizations. Jim is a health tech CEO. Uh, and he actually first introduced me to aquascaping, <laughs> which I feel like you're going to have to tell us a little bit more about. So I'm excited totally to talk to Jim. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a, a treat. I was like, what is aquascaping? But um, excited to have you on the podcast, Jim. Tell us a little bit more about you. And, and uh, I also would love to hear about aquascaping, but also uh, what your mission is. Absolutely. Um, Angela, thank you so much for ha having me on the pod and uh, really excited to, you know, for this conversation, because I think you, even the prep up to this it has been really enlightening and just I love the mission that you're on as well. So uh, great, doing great things for employees. So I think this will be really good. Um, yeah, for me, I guess my background, I'm a, I'm a sports based chiropractor. Um, I've been practicing for the past 14 years, I guess. I got into tech back in 2010. We built actually uh, one of the first cloud-based electronic medical records. Um, mm. So that's my stint into tech. Um, we were able to exit out of that. So got my beef bag a little bit into venture. And then from there, um, I angel invested a bit in technology companies. So really understood the ins and outs on the finance side of things and raising money. Um, so from there, like I, you know, prior to that, I was also building integrated clinics. So some of the clinics that we were building were really on the high performance side of things. So we work with like, uh, the national wrestling team to like the UFC working on their athletes and getting them back to mm. play, but also not just back to play, but better performance. Right. And we just always found that our athletes are willing to take the extra steps and to do better for their health, because ultimately that's your money-making machine. And that's what they need to be at the tip top shape in order to produce. Right. Um, and the other side, other side, we saw the public system and the private system and wasted dollars and disability management of dollars and getting people, you know, out of pain. It was, it was just a, it just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, how can I get this individual from like an ACL tear to like full recovery surgery within this period of time? And these people are still lagging or I can do it in like half the cost. Um, so that really intrigued me. So I really wanted to instill, I think it really came down to like, preventative and what they're able to how they engage with the therapies and the mm -hmm. rehab mm -hmm. and we know that from a re, um, from a recovery standpoint the re the exercise component is the most important part like ultrasound ifc's acupuncture and like laser that's great for in conjunction with everything else but the rehab component um and there's even the self soft tissue where the actual patient can do them themselves just with massage ball like that's the most important part mm -hmm. so i was wondering what what can we do what can we create to engage our patients better. We also know national drop, national drop off rate from, you know, before they get discharged in physiotherapy, physical therapy is 70%. So 70% of people, seven out of 10 people who start a program and of care drop off before they're actually discharged because of time and money. So how do we engage? How do we move from people, not just treating for pain, right? But working on prevention and better, mm. better functional movements. So these things don't come back again and understand their body a little bit more. It's kind of interesting how much you know about your line of work and, you know, in HR and, you know, motivating people. And then what about your body? How much do you know about that? And that should, I'm pretty sure that should be like a prerequisite for, for mm. life. <laughs> so that's why we built Fixable. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so, so Fixable, if we can kind of break it down, I know it's a, it's, it's a, healthcare technology it's a tool but it's also 
a a tactic for employers, for individuals, for sustainable health. And mm-hmm. I, I do want to talk about this idea of sustainability versus kind of the reactionary piece that you mentioned, because we're, the world of wellness right now is a hot topic. Everyone wants to know how do we improve how do we improve health at work, health and wellness at work? So tell us a little bit more about the tool. Yeah. And then I want to jump into a conversation about uh, sustainability. Sounds good. Um, you know, in regards to the technology, um, we at the end of the day, like there's not many tools, like there's many tools in the, I guess in the past where it was built for the practitioner to deploy exercise movements and things like that, right? But no really tool built for the end user, the patient, the person in pain. Mm. So um so we really wanted to create a platform and a tool like geared towards you and I and my patients, mm-hmm. my family. So the people who are actually using the tool and how can we create trust around it so people can get better from pain, but also understand the next steps to pain is prevention. So along with the world-class programming for like common issues like low back pain, neck pain, zoom necks, <laughs> you know, sitting in front of your computer all day. To like post very, ta- very technical term. Very technical. Sure yes, back, yes, right? yes. All those <laughs> practitioners listening are just like, what is this? Um, but um, yeah, alongside those, but also be able to customize programming now for for uncommon things like try radio fibrocartridge ligament tear, <laughs> to, um, mm. you know, maybe AC sprains or repetitive things. So we build a whole platform around the patient, but also for the practitioner as well. So they're able to, you know, create customized programming and then utilizing psychology tools like the things Facebook uses, the Instagram uses to, for you to infinity scroll for the better of your health, to remind you, to make sure you're pinging the right time and the gamification to make sure you're progressing along uh, the right path. So all these tools together, I think what, and it's some of it's very, you know, progressive and some of it is just listening to our, our users and listening to our patients mm-hmm. and understanding the employers and what they need and what they hear from the back end, right? So uh, we build up these tools uh, specifically for patients. So if you're a, if you're an end user for so somebody who has you know rolled your ankle first time, and then so you can jump on a, a call with their practitioner, a live practitioner in your region, um, anytime, and get a diagnosis like this, and then so you understand what is the next steps. Next steps being um, we we actually create a video based programming with sets and reps all built in. You don't have to think about it; you just do, and then it reminds you the right time to do. Um, in addition, we built some machine learning around it to kind of progress with you and personalize it for you. And then also um, we're building this really cool augmented reality tool where your your front-facing camera, your iPhone is going to be able to tell you if you're doing these movements right or wrong. And then eventually, hopefully, if we're, we're talking to the space agency right now, so it can help actually, you know, individuals who don't have connection to remotely diagnose. So building really some crazy tech on the other side of things, but um, at the end of the day, the, the person using it has to have a really good, flawless um, experience from, you know, dealing with their um, actual pain and program problems to uh, mm-hmm. maintaining their health. So other programs on there, we have actually for things like even aging population, slip and fall programming, prevent um, sure. slip and falls amongst their aging population. That's about the 3X and by 2046. So imagine us dealing with that as a healthcare system. Um, and then for employers, we are... I'm definitely working on like uh, you know pre- prevention programs within the workplace. So one of which is like healthcare workers. They're they're on the job not only yes. getting COVID, but also you know taking mm-hmm. days off because of that. But also 
musculoskeletal injury is still the highest complaint and reason for disability. So how can we now create program around that, track remotely monitor to know that as a cohort, we're able to reduce those uh, those days lost from work and also um, and also just building better humans, right? So we have really yeah. cool programs, even for our tech companies on the, you know, um, on like, what do you do on a daily basis? How do you move throughout the day feeling good? Mm-hmm. You know, and then it pings you in the right time to kind of do this quick little 30 second thing. So you're not sinking into your <laughs> monitor and your neck is getting destroyed. Like it's simple things like that to make you feel good, drive endorphins throughout the day. So taking the science and then the human behavior and really mm-hmm. amalgamating the two. Yeah. I mean, this is really about improving human performance, which I think a lot of times we for when we talk about employee engagement, right, or we talk mm-hmm. about culture, yeah. or we talk about, you know, the environment or the climate that the human is in while they're working, I think we forget the fact that our body is it's not a machine, but it has components that it needs it, it needs to be oiled up, it needs to work, it needs to move around, it 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 requires things. Like it needs to be nurtured um throughout the day and so it's the opposite of being a machine it's it's really having a focus on prevention but this gets me kind of kind of to my Mm -hmm. next question in line line of questioning because going back to health and wellness at work Mm -hmm. and a lot of organizations are saying that they are you know they have a culture of wellness right they're advertising Mm -hmm. that or you know all the buzzwords you know well-being is important to us what do you think we're getting what what are workplaces getting wrong right now when it comes to health and wellness? Yeah, and I think the programming think lot, and the focus they have on it. I think a lot of it is really just a checkbox, right? And solving for the problem. But if you're actually really mission driven in, you know, creating better humans, you know, you'll understand mm-hmm. that it it takes a biopsychosocial approach and that's what we try to take. So biology, like the body, psychology and social being mm-hmm. like, you know, your culture, mm-hmm. right? Um and that yes. goes the same with practitioners and what we do in, in a clinical setting to the, the workplace. So, and then, and then I think driving that towards actually mission driven to understand that how by creating better you, a <laughs> better you employees, ultimately at least a better output for, mm-hmm. for the company. Right. And putting those two missions together, I yeah. think is really incredibly important. And it's not about just, there's tons of cookie, little tiny apps and like, little tiny solutions, small little things here and there to kind of nip the butt at, you know, that maybe mm-hmm. that one problem, but the systemic problem, the root cause of the issue is still there. Right. So yes. I think when the good companies that we work with, the really good ones, I'm not name names are good or bad, but um, have that really ingrained and, and, and amalgamated into their actual, you know, onboarding into their mm-hmm. monthly cultural events into their systems. Right. And when we work with them, we literally go in there as like we do a design thinking type of um, Mm -hmm. session with the whole team we have. And we'll we'll even interview some of the employees to understand what's the true nature of what is going on here. Right. And what are you guys struggling with? So we'll look Mm -hmm. at the numbers in regards to common issues that you're struggling with, but also the sentiments around um, the, the wellness side of things and the prevention things, things like that. Are you burnt out? Why are you burnt out? Because. I have this job and I'm repetitively doing these things over and every few months I'm getting running into these issues. Hey, and that's correlated directly with your, you know, days lost from work on average because mm-hmm. of low, low back pain, whatever it is. And then we create a program around that's super engaging. And that's really important. I think just getting people involved and, and more mission involved about 
their better health. And if you talk to them about their better health, everyone cares about health. Just about everybody, yes. I should say. Um, and you'll yes. notice that like eight or nine people out of 10 have struggled with some kind of illness or some kind of physical ailment that's kind of, you know, taking them back. So they've had some experiences, you know, with this. And the older you get, <laughs> the more issues you run into. So so depending on your uh, cohort, right? But um, if you talk to them and, and be at the level of them and thinking about them, because they take care, mm. they care about themselves, right? At the end of the day, right? And then yes. you drive that, what they, what they actually really want and what they need with the the company's mission together, I think that's ultimately a better gig. And then it's not just implementing one thing, but ultimately following up with these implementations, right? Mm. What happens next? Like, what are you actually doing? How do you reward that better behavior uh, along the way and uh, recognition along the way and then being consistent and then evaluating up afterwards and looking at that journey? How do I tweak and make things better incrementally, right, to, to get them going? Um, I think having people at the table is really important in the beginning and asking them what they need and what they want, because if you just implement something and you really, and as an HR folk, I don't know if you've done design thinking or what have you, but yeah. you really need to understand your folks and people. Yes. But I think going through that uh, journey with an external partner uh, might lead to different answers, um, mm -hmm. might, not, might not be common with VC. So I think, uh, I think those are some of the, some of the couple of, synonymous things I see with like really good cultural teams. Yeah. And that, that aligns, that jives with my thinking, which is getting enrollment across the company, right? Which is the listening to your people, mm -hmm. understanding what their needs are. Cause I think a lot of times with a lot of cultural efforts, uh, we, we look at our competitors and what they're doing and we yeah. say, yeah, let's do that. And let's cookie cutter, you know, let's just, blanket it across the company and see what happens versus doing the work up front culture culture change is hard work and Absolutely. if culture change is simply changing behaviors and mindsets i think people get um i guess confused about what culture is i think a lot of people think it's like programs and perks and benefits yeah. and and adding to mm -hmm. when really it's really just um improving on what you might already have right you have a mission Absolutely. you have a purpose now with micro progressions and actions and habits, let's continue to change towards those things. So that's a psychology element, which, you know, is kind of my, my background. Yeah. Um, culture change is not a big marketing plan. It's, it's these little tiny changes in habits and behaviors. Yeah. I totally, so I, I think totally you've got agree. something there. <laughs> and, and we took the same approach to some of the programming. So we have these leveling up systems where it, it progressively gets you better over time and you're winning along the way, right? Mm. And you have to be rewarded nice. for those yeah. tiny wins. And you can't progress unless you're, you know, doing well, not in pain and, you know, feeling good, right? So, and this is relatively just right for you, not too hard, not too challenging. Um, so it, it does require that. And, you know, within, you know, the medical side of things as well as the cultural side of things from, um, for those employees, I think, um, I think you mentioned mission lot and, and with culture, mm -hmm. like mission is so important these days. I think really driving that mission, being more esoteric mm -hmm. versus bottom line uh, is incredibly important and implementing things like, you know, us or other programming along the way where they're, 
to really buy in and the HR staff are really bought into this and like the CEOs and executives are utilizing it together with them and, you know, really diving deep and be on the ground floor with those individuals. Right. I think is, uh, is huge. It's, it speaks volumes, right. Um, you know, yes. Tony Shea back in the day, I remember you know, like he created it. Well, I guess he was one of the first to implement something with like, it was, it was called a holacracy, right. Where you have one level yeah. of, um, you know, status, if you will. Right. And I think executives, as bigger the company gets, they're really far away from those individuals on the ground doing the work and, you know, speaking about the con- uh, company, right. And understanding the really yeah. living the culture. So, you know, spending some time within on the ground floor um, to understand that and be in it, I think is important. Yeah. And, and I think we forget about, uh, you know, I totally agree with you. There's this huge, the gap widens. So, you know, your, your goal as a leadership team is to create a bridge, right. From, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, create yeah. a bridge, knock down the bridge, you know, make sure everybody gets in the middle of the bridge, however it ends up, like you need to be able to close that gap between what you think is happening at a leadership level, executive level level, and what's actually happening. Uh, and the issues are different, right? Like health outcomes might be different for someone who's making 400 grand a year versus yeah. your plant employee who's on the, on the ground. That's right. Right. And I think the, the perspective is there's even a huge gap in perspective around health outcomes. So yeah. what are your thoughts on that? How do, how do leaders ensure that they really know, again, creating a, pro, a health and wellness program or a well-being initiative? Like how do you make sure you close that gap? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, I think it comes back to that preventative basis and you mentioned sustainability, right? Um, it's a big topic these days from environmental sustainability and to health sustainability, right? And in the U.S., the employer is paying 80% of the health dollar as well. So you got to remember that. And mm-hmm. the healthier yes. you are, the less utilization of the system you have, right? And then your long-term effects in the system is huge, right? And not only do you feel better, right? And you get that positive reinforcement through that, but you actually, you're less likely to be a diabetic if you're moving throughout the day, right? You're less, we actually have numbers on that. There's a good study recently. If you just squat like 20 times, Mm -hmm. multiple times in a day, it reduces your A1Cs. It's incredible, right? So with some of my patients, I literally, Mm -hmm. their daily program is like 20 squats, 10 times a day. And and that is it. And it takes you maybe like 40 seconds wow. a minute, right? And you come out with nice thighs and glutes and also feeling yeah, good. No um, diabetes, nice no thighs. No diabetes, nice, nice, right? Right. <laughs> so you amalgamate the two, like, you know, mission driven with health and the human driven, you know, um, mm-hmm. the thing that they want to do as well. And, and I think mission and mandate is one thing. And also you need to tap into that human want, right? So mm-hmm. I mentioned vanity a little bit, right? So glutes and thighs, right? Yep. So at some point, <laughs> your drop off point is going to be. Okay. And also to get them going on a prevention standpoint, we, we've learned quickly, and I guess I've learned in the last 15 years, that humans are lazy. And in order mm. for them to do something, you got to give them something that they want, right? It's not that they need. Not many times they'll do all the stuff that they need, right? And, you know, in, you know, if it was 50,000 years ago, we're our, our body was meant to conserve energy, right? We're gonna we're not gonna mm-hmm. find food at three times a meal, <laughs> three meals a, a day. Right. If you don't actually need it. Um, so you know you don't know when the next you know feeding is. So you actually conserve energy. So I, I think more importantly, um, 
on a prevention side, it's got to be a little bit more esoteric and you got to really uh, talk to their wants as well as your needs. So not only going to get this, you know, great abs, but also you know, maintain mm-hmm. your core, a core stabilize your low back that prevents you from, be, you know, future injuries. Right. And oh, by the way, mm-hmm. here's how you live properly. So that's going to even reduce your incidences um, more often. I think that's that's sustain that's sustainability for us, right? Being mm. able to create better humans. Ultimately, these humans are going to be more effective in the workplace. Better humans, more performance, higher energy levels, better endorphins. Do you think you can perform better when your energy level is at this level, or do you think you can? You're down here moping around, waiting, you know, for that five o'clock to roll right. around, right? And mm-hmm. your energy level so low. We're energy levels are so important throughout the workplace. And I think that's really sustainability. And you got to, it might feel like it costs a little bit more right now, but the, the long-term effects, and we have good numbers on that, on, on the ROI as well, is a lot, is a lot better, right? So if you get that, you know, the, you know, you have to invest in like sales marketing, right? To, to get the end result without knowing if this is going to work. This yeah. is the same thing. So test, test it with a small cohort. And then from there, is it working for that small? Great. Awesome. Let's implement mm. for the rest of the company. Right. Yeah. You mentioned that, um, you know, about humans being lazy or, you know, the way I <laughs> interpret that too, is that we're so focused on short-term gain mm-hmm. and, you know, cult and I always bring this back to organizational culture because it's, it's what I, what I know yeah. it's the same thing, right. As organizations, we go for the short-term metrics and the mm. objectives and we, we want to see results or we, we want to be or negative reinforcement also drives us to action, right? Yeah. Something is right in front of me, diabetes, mm-hmm. uh, turnover at companies, That's you know, right. all these things that are like, oh shit, I've got to make a change. Something, something bad is happening. Yeah, yeah. And as humans, as individuals, we're the same way. 100%. We oftentimes, a lot of us do not focus on the preventative. Uh, we wait until we have that health scare, uh, that oh shit moment where yeah. we need to change our health around. And so it's just, it's, there's gotta be like, a whole, probably have a whole other podcast on connecting yeah. like the psychology <laughs> and the biology together on this. But other than typical reinforcement measures, right? Mm-hmm. Like the app is a great tool for those micro progressions or micro habit changes. What other messages, what can employers be doing to bring awareness to these preventative measures? Because I think they have a role, right? They have a role to, for, especially if it's a sustainable tactic for them as a business, but also caring about people. How can workplaces deliver that message? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think um, it, it goes goes very deep. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, like hold on to Yeah, and sure. you can you can come out sounding like a Neumann, like go, you know, Mm-mm. telling you what to do at home and, right. you know, wash mm-hmm. your hands. Like, you know, it can sound like that. And, or it can sound like, Hey, we, we are here for you. What right. here are mm-hmm. most common stuff we see in the workplace and most common spend, you know, within our insurance dollar. We see, I, we know that 30% of, of you guys right now have diabetes or pre-diabetic or metformin. Like these are, common things that we see it so you know company why we're going to start maybe a walking program right a simple simple walking program and for the next you know 12 weeks real simple you know top 10 people here's a prize and then we're going to continue on with it and if for those who choose to participate right and 
I think you you should reward that behavior as well. Not not to, you have to look at the metrics and numbers specifically for it. Not not that you can anyways, but <laughs> you shouldn't be. But mm. I think I think you I think you can look at enrollment. Like are they enrolled right? And part of your mm. I think your uh, your quarterlies with them and performance reviews are just not on metrics of um, their output, right? So it's their metrics of the process. And so what have you done in regards to progress and get, get those metrics? How you feel overall? How's the family? How can I support you there? Right? So that drives a larger picture in regards to, you know, being connected to your people and then also understanding mm-hmm. your pain points. And sometimes they'll just complain about pain points and don't want a solution. Right? So those are, you know, when it, when it comes to design thinking and, you know, journey mapping of individuals, I think it's really important to, you know, understand what they say versus what they actually need. So got to read in between the lines a little bit in regards to what's mm-hmm. actually happening in, in from a data-driven standpoint and then understanding the why behind uh, with the employees. But it, it is, a you know, prevention is really hard. But we do find that once you implemented uh, a solution like us and other companies have said so as well, um, um, after the first year, you, you start driving, understanding your people a lot better and you're able to, push the right buttons for, for, for that prevention and better human performance. Mm. Um, so, and again, going back to that topic of um, um, vanity and what they want, tie it to what they want, like yes. literally tie it to what they want Yes. and, and <laughs> what they need. <laughs> Once you're able to do that, right. Then you're going to be able to really drive mission around that uh, human health sustainability. Right. Same thing goes with mm. like, you know, our environment. Right. So, driving that mission of like when it comes to environment especially now right with evs Mm -hmm. and everything else and you know we increased what a a whole degree within like 70 years previous to that was like hundreds so um that the ultimate you know negative feedback here is like we're gonna die (laughs) as a species (laughs) right you're gonna die here's a negative feedback we need to do this here's a bigger mission outside of you that we need to do better right Mm. and then within from a health standpoint, and especially if you felt it once or twice, you understand it. Mm. If you haven't never felt it, you don't understand it. So there is an age gap in regards to who uses this uh, more sustainably. Um, we do find, you know, the 35 and above uses us a lot more on the preventative side. And then mm. the younger cats are more using it on like things that they want to improve on more vanity based. So, <laughs> so you need to understand who you're talking to. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. I think it is a, a balance of, you know, talking about the, you know, because there's a lot of metrics and statistics and studies that tell us these things holistically work, right? Like the 20 squats a day, you know, to prevent or, you know, walking 30 minutes a day like that. That is that is a blanket. Those are blanket things that we could all do to improve our uh, our health and be preventative. But there's also this idea of design thinking and personas, right? Like who Mm -hmm. are your who are the personas at your company and that's a part of design thinking is not just having blanket communications about the same thing, but now tying those facts Mm -hmm. to, well, what will my, you know, millennial generation, how, how do we say that to a millennial generation versus baby boomers who are about to retire or, you know, the person who's, you know, even so socioeconomic status, right, based on health outcomes in certain zip codes or, right. um, you know, certain demographics. How do we change the story so that it hits home and it, it relates to me and my family and my community? Yeah. And I can see a call for action out of it. 
for sure. And I think what you were mentioning there was like, you know, more about on the herd mentality side of things, right? There's a psychology of herd mentality. Mm-hmm. So I think going back to the book, you know, Cross and the Chasm, uh, you know, it's a, it's more on the tech development side of things, but I think uh, some of the, some of the key learnings are, are true here as well. So I think early adopters are really important and finding mm-hmm. those early adopters of those programming and drives herd immunity. And you don't have to get this down one try. So, you know what I'm saying? It takes a couple of tries and it grows yes. on, on top of each other. You remember that mm-hmm. you're and creating any product and putting any product or any service or any projects or programs into fruition. It's not going to be a thousand X first time around. That's not how it works. Right. You start something s- small and you build on top of that mm-hmm. win. Right. And if this is something that's really true and important to your company, then you build on top of that win. Um, so you get those early adopters and then there's going to be a flock of people after the early adopter who see the early adopter and be like, mm-hmm. oh, they were kind of on the fence. Right. Then now they're going to the early adopter is going to pull those people in, really, you know, and then those people build even a bigger flock. And then you have those yes. other who are more skeptical um, on the other end be like, oh man, this, this could be really good for my health that I can mm-hmm. like prevent. My dad has diabetes. I don't want to be like him. Like, um, right. you know, my dad suffers from chronic low back pain. He needs a walker mm-hmm. like now. So I don't want to be that guy, you know, in, in, uh, when, mm-hmm. I'm, when, when I'm older. So like, I, I think it really builds on top and everyone understands health as well. So t- to some degree, you know, but to some degree, you understand what you should do for better health. You probably should move. You probably you should eat better. You probably should, you know, de-stress and, you know, a bit of mindful meditation here and there. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of has to know it, but it's the, how do you, what is that trigger point for them to engage, right? So yes. I think really understand who those are early up doctors. You guys down? You guys want this? Okay, yes, you said it three times. Okay, great. You're on this program. Let's show the people results. Results came in. Looks good. We're like company-wide uh, emails and, you know, recognition for those individuals. And then uh, you can tie some structure around it that, you know, yeah, like a leader board or whatever you want to do culturally already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, from a incentivization standpoint, and then the other people will come. Right. And then, and then, you, and then market a little bit to them. You could create some scarcity around it and, you know, initially, and then, you know, and then, um, I, or a little bit of urgency when this program starts mm-hmm. and when does it ends and and things like that. I think you can, from a psychology standpoint, <laughs> be able to kind of work that into yes. uh, getting a better adoption. Yeah, and I think you know naturally you mentioned herd mentality, um, but it gets to the point that we're social beings, right? And when it comes to accountability and action, we tend to when when we've been called out or we've been, you know, put, put on notice or, you know, called mm-hmm. to action. Typically, if someone else knows about it, <laughs> we're more likely to do it because we're, we're social beings and community is important to us. And the um, keeping the community together is important right. to us. So using some of those tactics too, to create accountability and leadership accountability, yeah, right? Absolutely. Leadership accountability is so important with these programs because if my leader isn't doing it, why, why should I? If my leader Absolutely. isn't committed to it, they're they're saying one thing and doing another thing, then Absolutely. you're reducing the, the chances that it's actually going to stick. Uh, Absolutely. And they have to buy in from department to department, depending how big you guys are. And maybe mm-hmm. even, yeah, we have uh, one company doing our learn to run program. So we have a really good program uh, created by actually one of my older patients who actually started off as, you know, from a really bad car accident where she was in a wheelchair, literally, and she's been with me, I guess, majority of my career, um, from a wheelchair to 
and getting her run to the, the local grocery shop from our clinic it was literally 500 meters and oh it was a jog there. that was her first run ever and now mm-hmm. she directs and she directs the toronto Mar- uh, marathon and she also worked up with the running room and you know built and taught thousands of people to run and walk for the first time uh, and for herself even um, ran her marathon like about six years ago for first and that group she was literally the slowest person like they were closing their marathon it took her six and a half hours to do it and they were closing the marathon it. and but she did it and she had a whole flock of people behind her while they were closing the marathon they were literally police cars behind her because you're literally putting things away and closing the marathon and even from there we built actually a a group um uh, a group called uh, finish cross the finish line around that the community right um mm-hmm. around helping people doing their first so it like doing these things don't have to be hard it does not have to be super high performance it's about getting it done i think most important mm-hmm. like the black and white of getting it done and also you know using some of those stories to drive a bit of mission people to um, get them excited and about that and getting the right leaders first you know there is really mm-hmm. important they can lead the way. They can, you know, um, set kind of the bar for the rest of the people as well. And they might not be the all the leaders in the, in the department. It could just be one person in the department that w- loves this and wants to lead the group within it. And and the leader Champion. of the company could, could also follow too, right? So they don't have to necessarily be really good at this and, and have to do this. It could just be going to your people and be like, who wants to lead this? And giving them hmm. a little bit of... Um, I guess a little bit of mojo there to <laughs> to lead yeah. the way, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I I I think you're onto something which is, you know, these these shifts are are always um it's usually a groundswell. Yeah. Um and it's usually a group of people or community or individual who's passionate about it. Yeah. So I I oftentimes kind of like cringe when I see so many companies like hiring these high-level profile executives who are focused Mm. on culture change or you know because it's it really lives within the people there's no one person that can drive these outcomes it has to be something that you commit to you align to as an organization and make happen (laughs) and and really really role (laughs) model and match your behaviors Uh, absolutely i i guess that's personalization of it right i think um going in there to understand the people first (laughs) is really important Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we talked a lot about a lot today. My gosh, I feel like, um, you know, it's, I think the focus on preventative health, to me, I I can't help but, again, connect this to culture at work Mm -hmm. and sustainability, because it's all connected, which is, let's put up the time and the investment up front to ensure that our people have the tools the health, the wealth, all the things to survive and, and, and also thrive. Um, and that's the right thing to do for humanity, but it's also better for business, better for outcomes. Uh, you can't you can't get, you know, organizational results with a sick workforce or a workforce Absolutely. that's in pain. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. what you're doing is just so fantastic. It's so mission driven and um, really grateful that you're doing this work. What what is a kind of a wrap up or what do you want the audience to know before we head out? <laughs> no, uh, thank you for that. Um, I think, you know, ultimately I came into this game for, for better human prevention, right? So, and better human performance. Um, so, you know, 
if you're struggling out there right now, it, it could be your workforce. It could just be you, right? It could just be you like struggling either with mental health or physical health, you know, and you're thinking back, like, why am I, why am I struggling? And where do I seek help? I think first step is take massive action. Just take massive action and stop thinking about it <laughs> and stop getting wound up on the ifs and what. Just just ask for help. And I think that's number one. Just get out there, ask for help, and you'll start finding solutions that might be a better fit for you, right? So taking that massive action is really, really important. And I do have to say that, you know, from the patients, from 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 probably be, you know, the last 15 years of, you know, treating patients and understanding humans and how they behave, probably about 15% of the population, I would say, of our population anyways, actually work on prevention, mm-hmm. about 15%, right, mm-hmm. that come in and do some kind of stuff. And then, you know, after a bit of trust around, you know, what we do, um, and we, we are able to double that, right, double that number, but it's still a small portion of the population. I think more can, more people can do more. Um, and also, you know, when, when that happens, they, they get so much more out of it because um, empowering yourself to to be able to fix your own issues, not only is it like cheaper for your bottom line, <laughs> your pockets, mm-hmm. um, number two, you're going to be feeling so much better. And for some people, it's literally night and day in regards to their energy level and their outlook of life, right? And mm-hmm. what they're able to achieve, their next level of, um, you know, uh, work and where they're able to, you know, go. And, and you know, with... I think with that, you're gaining progress and progress really important is really important for happiness, right? So overall, and from, from people who struggle with mental health, like the mental health is, is a harder thing to tackle than the physical thing because you can't touch it, feel it. And it's harder to mm-hmm. turn things around where the physical health, you can, you can start doing something now today, right? That's going to give you a positive benefit. You can drive those natural endorphins by just going for, you know, a 15, 20 minute, you know, speeded, uh, upright walk right and then mm-hmm. your neck pain can reduce just by doing a quick ruger stretch looks like a double chin like there's many things you can do <laughs> and it's not just a healthcare practitioner that needs to do it for you it's really you taking you know you're taking control of your health that's really important because right now our system our health system is not a health system it's a disease care model right right now mm-hmm. there's no preventative stuff there's some minor thing but hardly ever funded really well but we know that's the solution. We know that the output of that is significantly higher than just prescribing metformin. It's just prescribing, you know, anti-inflammatories that can ruin your gut. It's way bigger than that. So taking that preventative now, do that thing. If it's exercise, if it's movement, if it's mindfulness, whatever that is, like take that action to, you know, try on your own or ask for help if you're really in a bad place. Um, do that now. Take, don't even think about it. Just do that now. Thank you so much, Jim. Uh, So appreciative and grateful for you and your work. Thank you for your time and your insights. This was wonderful. And, um, you know, let's keep talking about this mission-driven work and sustainability. And I love the fact that we were able to pair up and kind of talk about these two things together. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, no problem at all. And I'm really looking forward towards your your book as well. That's coming up soon, I hope. And I'd love to hear more about all these things. 